time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. I know it. The Retirement Roadmap Podcast starting up once again. Walter Schorholt here alongside Glenn Mosseller, registered financial consultant and founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting in Greensboro with an office on Mears Chapel Road. You can also find us online at greensbororetirement.com. That's greensbororetirement.com. You can click on free consultation at the bottom of the page and schedule a time to meet with Glenn in the near future if you'd like, or find out about some of the educational workshops and courses Glenn teaches throughout Greensboro and the surrounding areas as well. Glenn, you all geared up and ready for another show? We're ready, Walter. Let's do it. All right. I hope so, because we're tackling a good subject today. Are you asking the wrong financial questions. And I think it's an interesting topic because a lot of people have questions about their retirement plan, but we find that they're often asking the wrong ones. We'll cover some of the common questions we hear and learn the questions that you should be asking instead. So follow along with us. I think this will be a lot of fun to do, actually. I'm sure you get this question a lot, Glenn. Why is it not necessarily the right question to ask? How much money do I need to have saved in order to retire? Well, Walter, like you say, you get that question from time to time, and really, it's a function of how much income are you going to need in most cases. And so let's take, for instance, the typical person, they're going to have Social Security, right? And if they're a married couple, they're likely to have two Social Security checks coming in. Now, another question is, you know, are they going to have additional income, either coming from a pension, maybe one or both folks have pensions? Or possibly do they have rental property and those kinds of things. So now if you have pension and or rental property or those kinds of situations, well, now you've got additional income that somebody else that doesn't have a pension or or rental income, you know, you've got that income and they don't. So that person who doesn't have those other sources of income, they're going to need to have more saved because those assets that they've got saved is going to have to create an additional income stream for them, you know, to make up the difference, so to speak. Whereas if you've got a pension, you don't necessarily need to have quite as much saved because why you saved it in the big picture is, is in order to be able to create additional income. And if you've got additional income from a pension, well, that obviously makes it such a way that you don't necessarily have to have quite as much saved. It's kind of a catch 22. And you start thinking about, you know, the, the ins and outs of all of that. But when we really start looking at it, it's like, what is that money for? Well, that money is for to create, you know, income and make it last through your retirement so you can have the lifestyle you want to have. And most people would really readily agree that lifestyle has to do with, you know, your monthly income and also your your monthly expenses. And so when we look at that, we need to realize that's the real question behind the question, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's a really key point and something we've just got to make sure that we're aware of when we're asking these questions is that we're taking into account the full picture of our situation. That'll be a common theme through all of these, Glenn. I'm sure another common question you get when it comes to things like long-term care is, should I get long-term care insurance or just roll the dice since you know everything's so expensive anyway? Right. Well, and sometimes you'll get that question. And so I always look at that scenario and it's just like whenever I get an either or situation, it's sometimes that's a false choice because a lot of times there's some middle ground. You know, maybe it's not this or that. Maybe it's this and that. Or maybe there's a different way to think about it. One of the main things we have to think about when it comes to long-term care is that largely long-term care insurance is really a form of asset protection insurance to be able to preserve assets for your loved ones. 
So when we start thinking about that, number one, we start having, we have to figure out, well, how much do you planning on leaving? You know, do you have resources that you want to leave to kids, grandkids or, or to others? You know, and then how much do we want to protect? We also look at traditional long-term care insurance, and we know the older you get, the more expensive it tends to get. And also, you know, the insurability sometimes becomes a little bit more challenging because maybe conditions develop over time. But there are some other products in the marketplace that give you some potential, you know, hedge against, you know, long-term care costs and that kind of thing. You know, sometimes they come in form of annuities and sometimes they come in form of life insurance, but they will give you an enhanced, you know, benefits if you need it, you know, if you go into the nursing home, they're not really long-term care policies, so to speak, but they have, you know, critical care riders or, you know, an enhancement on like if you were going to take an income stream, maybe if you go into the nursing home, you're going to get an enhanced income stream. So there are a lot of different ways to look at that particular situation. And what we want to do is, as we always do, is look at well, what resources do you have? What issues are we trying to solve? And then say, you know, well, how's the best way to go about putting that together? And there are times when, you know, if we start looking at those hybrid type of products that we were just talking about, you know, maybe there's a place that we can use something of that in conjunction with, you know, some other asset that creates, you know, the effect of having additional cash flow to help offset those long-term care expenses that might come down the line. Always, I think, a tricky situation to talk about long-term care, just because a lot of people find it very complicated and expensive, and sometimes they don't realize that there are those alternatives. And that's why maybe just saying, hey, should I roll the dice or not, isn't the right question to ask, because it gets a little bit more in-depth, certainly, than that. And you covered that well, Glenn. So again, we're covering some of these wrong financial questions. They seem like good questions, and they're popular, certainly, but maybe they're the wrong ones. You should have your focus elsewhere. What about this one, Glenn? How can I get the highest possible return on my money? At face value, that seems like a good question to ask. Well, it does, Walter. And one of the challenges that you have to take on is that when you're chasing after you know, bigger returns, you know what inherently comes with that? Right. I mean, you ask that question and most people understand, oh, yeah, if I'm trying to get a greater rate of return, then that typically means that they're going to have to take on a greater risk. Right. And so when you're in retirement or you're transitioning into retirement, that might not be exactly what you are wanting to chase after. Maybe you do that with a portion of your money that's really long term money. But we have to think more along the lines of, you know, well, how are we going to make this money last? And sometimes the question is asked is, is like, you know, how am I going to get return of my money rather than return on your money? You know, there's different phases of life and what you're looking to try to accomplish. But, you know, we have to think along the lines like we were just talking about a bit earlier when we were talking about how much do you have to have saved? Again, it comes down to how much income do you need? And, you know, how do we make that income, you know, come in as a monthly cash flow, but then also make sure that it's going to last through your life expectancy and possibly beyond. And so that's really the deeper question is that, you know, we want to certainly have our money grow, but we also want to make sure that it lasts. And when we're in retirement, you know, making sure that it lasts is probably a bit more of an important question than, you know, how can I, you know, get those extra few percentage points of return? Because, you know, when you're chasing after that extra return, inherently uh, at some point you're going to run into a thing called risk and it might not you know, produce the results that you're really looking for. 
All right, Glenn, I've got another one for you. And this is, again, probably a popular question. And I'm sure you'll take this one to the woodshed. Where can I pay the lowest fees for financial advice? Again, people looking to save money, not a bad question on the surface. Right. Well, I mean, Walter, that would be like a self-directed account, right? Where you just go in, maybe you, you put it at the bank or you do something with maybe, you know, one of those mutual fund companies or something that's out there. And the challenge, obviously, is that, you know, in a lot of times you get what you pay for. Now, that's not always the case, but realistically, if you're going to get advice that's worth something or planning that's helpful, then you're going to typically pay something for that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, obviously, because it really comes down to, you know, what are you getting for what you're paying for? You know, I always say, you know, fees are expensive in the absence of value, but if you're getting an extra value, then then you're in a position where it's like, you know, you're getting something for that. And if it's worthwhile and it's helping you make your money last longer or giving you added peace of mind or to know that, you know, if a variety of different situations happen, that you could still survive that versus just kind of winging it. Well, then certainly, you know, paying a fee of some sort is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting something for what you're paying for. It's that old age old thing, you know, as a consumer, you want to get value value for your dollar. Does that make sense? You get what you pay for. Absolutely. I don't know who that wouldn't make sense for. And it does, you know, I think bring up some additional questions, which is certainly good. One more example to cover here, Glenn, let's talk about another wrong financial question to ask. And this one, I think you're going to key in on a particular word in the question. What can I do to pay less in taxes this year? Well, I'm assuming that you're thinking that one word is this year, right? Yes, yes. Or, or I guess it's two words, but this <laughs> yeah. being the operative word, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's this, right? Because it's like typically you're going through the, you know, the year. It's sometimes hard, if not impossible, to try to, you know, you can't reverse engineer the past. <laughs> you know, there are occasions when you can do something that can maybe create an additional tax deduction or, you know, a savings opportunity or um, something like that. Unless you have the DeLorean, really, right? I'm sorry, what's that? Unless you have the DeLorean. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, if you, if you can travel through time, maybe that's a helpful thing. But, you know, in the real world, we don't really have that, at least not yet. Technology might bring us that at some point, but uh, not now. So, but yeah, I mean, we want to be thinking more of like, instead of thinking about, well, what can we do this year about, you know, this year's taxes? That's not a bad question to ask, but probably a better question is, well, what about next year and the years beyond? You know, are there things that we can do proactively that are going to give us a better plan for dealing with taxes ongoing and that it will create more and more opportunities to save? And typically you're, you're going to be far better off looking at, you know, what can you do in the future and future years because you got time to implement the strategies and you have time to really, you know, look at the overall picture rather than saying, oh, my gosh, what can I do right now to save for this year? You know, like I say, there's occasions when you can do a few things, but you're going to get a whole lot more bang for your buck, so to speak, if we start looking out into the future. And it's like, how can we influence that with good sound strategy? Well, always good to get this kind of information on the program, Glenn. The wrong financial questions. We covered some of them today. Gave you the reasons why. Make sure that you're asking the right financial questions for your financial situation. Glenn will certainly point out if you're not asking the right kinds of questions for your situation and uh, help you make sure that you get on the right path to get not only to retirement, but all the way through it as well. If you have some questions, Glenn's here to answer them. Pick up the phone and call anytime, 336 291 
3535. That's a 336 area code, 291-3535. He's got an office in Muir's Chapel Road. You can come in, say hello anytime. Schedule that time to meet online from your smartphone or computer by going to greensbororetirement.com. That's greensbororetirement.com. Look for free consultation at the bottom of the page. Click that and schedule your time to visit. Glenn, thanks as always for the help on the podcast. We'll do another great one next week. Thanks, Walter. Appreciate it very much. That's Glenn Mosseller. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Roadmap. 